What's up, Painless Flipping Podcast listeners? Before we dive into today's episode, I've got something special for you. Recently, I had the pleasure of joining an amazing podcast, and I wanted to share that conversation with you all. It's a fantastic discussion you won't want to miss. So without further ado, let's jump into that crossover episode and hear what we had to say. Enjoy. Hey, welcome back to the Average Geo Finances Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cavagioni, and today's guest is Nathan Payne. So uh, I was recently a guest on Nathan's podcast, and uh, I was like, dude, you have to come on my podcast. Absolutely. The stuff that this guy does is absolutely awesome. You guys are going to love his story. Speaking of his story, and actually before I even get to, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing really good. It's a nice, nice Saturday. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. So, hey, welcome to the show. I normally don't do Saturday interviews anymore, but I had to have this guy on. I just did. Um, it's a lot for me, man. Thank you for <laughs> taking time. Yeah, dude, of course. So anyway, speaking of stories, Nathan, what's your story? Who is Nathan Payne? Who's the real Nathan Payne? Let's start off. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and originally born in Utah, and I actually made my way back. I actually live in Utah now, but originally born in Utah, lived there, moved out to Georgia because my dad, he works for Delta. So there's a big hub, big airport in Atlanta. So moved out there, grew up there, wrestled in high school, was big into wrestling. I really enjoy it. I actually do jujitsu right now, which is like grappling. It's how I kind of stay in that sport. Did wrestling. After graduating from high school, I went on a mission for my church for two years from 19 years old to 21 years old. And it was pretty, it, looking back, it's a pretty interesting journey because when you're that young, you go out to a different state, different country and teach people about Jesus. So they did that for two years, didn't have, didn't watch any movies, didn't listen to any music outside of classical or church music. So it was like a, it was a good discipline, a good way to learn how to set goals and accomplish things. So after my mission, I went to school, I went to college at BYU, so Brigham Young University, but it was a sister school, it's in Idaho, so BYU, Idaho. Met who would eventually become my business partner, met him in college, started doing door-to-door -door sales to make money because I already knew how to knock doors and talk to people. Did that for about five to six years, went from my first summer or where I guess time that first year that I did it, like did fairly well for a beginner and then just worked my way up in the company, became one of the top sales guys, ran teams, graduated from college. And uh, then it was time to figure out if I wanted to continue to do real estate, sorry, wanted to do door-to-door -door or get into something else. And then I got into real estate because- my roommate that I had met in college that later then became my business partner. He was doing real estate in college. And I said, Hey, let's just start. Let's start doing real estate now. So he quit his job. I quit the door and we just went all in to real estate. I had no idea what I was doing, but I figured it out. Nice man. Wow. That's some background. And to make such a decision at a younger age. So you left the comfort of home, right? At the age of 19, went on a mission for two years and during that time, you said you were really able to discipline yourself, right? You were really able to learn some self-discipline there. And I think that's a key thing that I want to touch on because I think that's something that you carried over into your business side, right? Onto your entrepreneur side. So sure. you met your partner in college. And so what were you doing with the door-to-door? -door? So I was selling Dish Network. Okay. Satellite TV. Yep. Yeah. So it started out... I was selling Dish and Direct my first year. So depending on what kind of service they have, I'd pitch them the other one. Sure. Yeah. And, and we just essentially, we go to neighborhoods where we, and we'd say, hey, our trucks are in the area. A lot of people have been complaining about their bills being high or going up. We're here to see if we can help people lower the bills. And then we would go in there, show them what our product was and try to close them right then. That was like the goal. Because if you didn't close them then, good luck. It probably wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Okay. So 
with doing that, you got some good sales experience, right? So I'm pretty sure with wholesaling that comes in handy. So yeah. now your partner was already investing a little bit in real estate. Is that what you said? Yeah. So when I was doing door to door, I was always trying to get him to come and work for me or work with me. And he sure. was like, nah, I'm doing lease options. I'm doing seller finance. He was trying to wholesale. And he had started because his dad, who was in Missouri, had started. He His dad started flipping, then he got into wholesaling. So he was trying to dabble in it, but I saw how much work. I just saw what he was doing. I was like, man, I'm making more money than him. I don't need to do that. So I just didn't think it was a better option because door-to-door is very lucrative, especially if you have people under you, you make overrides, you make money per sale that they have if you manage them. So I didn't sure. think about it, but once college was over, I was like, I don't want to do this forever. Yeah. Okay. So was it because he was already doing real estate that you were like, let me get into real estate? Or did you start doing some research and figure out that this is the route you wanted to go? I or did your friend tug your arm a little bit and say, come on, man, come over to the dark side? No, you know, it's interesting. He, after college, he went and got a tech job. So he wasn't even really doing real estate. Mm. He was, he had gone off on that route doing tech sales. And I reached out to him because I had done a couple interviews, right? I had, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I met with uh, some super successful insurance guy that did property insurance in like California. He told me like how to get into it. So I, w when I had decided to move on from door to door, I went and did some interviews, got in a suit and started interviewing with people. And I was like, man, this is whack. I don't no, like this. Because I, I went and interviewed with some guy that like did medical insurance or something like that. And he was like asking me like why he, he should hire me. And I, I guess I have some pride. So in my mind, I was like, why? I feel like this guy's like trying to see if I'm good enough when I know I could crush whatever I do. And at that moment, I was like, yeah, forget this. Not to him, but just in my mind, I was like, I don't need this. So then I reached out to Corey and I was like, dude, you're doing tech sales. I'm good. You're good. Let's figure this thing out. Let's go all in. So I didn't really realize that until now, but that, that one interview where I had the suit and the guy was looking me up and down and it almost felt like he was judging me, which he probably was. I was like, I don't need that. And I didn't do it. Then I was out. Yeah. So you decided to stay away from the corporate world uh, pretty early on. So that's good. So how old were you when you made that decision to, to start investing in real estate? I think it was 26, 27. 26. Okay. Yeah. Right on, man. Good deal. Now, what did that look like for you when you made that initial shift, right? I know you didn't just jump right in all of a sudden, boom, I've got all these leads and all these properties. I don't know what to do with myself. What did that process look like to start from complete scratch? Yeah. So it was me, him and me and Corey meeting in my basement, looking at for sale by owners and making about five dials a day. Cause we thought that was enough. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. We were just like a little intimidated, a little nervous on what to do, what, how to start. So it started off with just meeting game planning. That's kind of usually what happens when you don't know what you're doing and you don't want to take action. So you just plan. And so we were planning, trying to figure out how we're going to do what we're going to do. And eventually we just got decided to take a little bit more action, just go a little bit more. It wasn't forever. It was like a couple of weeks and we're like, do we just need to go for it? So I would say the first couple of weeks we were just trying getting he we we're hesitant, but we knew we were trying to figure out what to do together at my house in my basement. All right. All right. Yeah, that's fair enough. So you guys are figuring out, finding yourselves, finding out, you know, what you needed to do to make this happen. So obviously five calls a day wasn't cutting it. So might've been more, but, but it felt, I think it felt like five. Yeah. It's all good, man. But what did it look like from that point where you started off with the minimal calls per day to the point where you got to your first deal? What kind of difference in the activities of what you were doing? What was the difference between day one and day of we're getting our first deal? 
Yeah. So from being in the basement and just trying to figure it out make some calls and not having a lot of direction, we, Corey and I had posted on our Facebook groups, our Facebook page is, Hey, we're looking to network with some agents or people that are wholesaling in the area. Corey had messaged, had someone that had reached out to him because of his post that was an agent, uh, like a friend through a friend said, Hey, my broker at my agent agency or my brokerage wants to get into wholesaling. You guys should come and meet them. So we went over there, we met, sat down with them and the broker at the time was like, Hey, I, I really want to get into wholesaling. I had a dream about wholesaling and we're like, really, let's freaking do it. He's like, I'll let you, I'll give you guys a place to work here. I'll give you the mojo dialer. I'll give you some lists. Anything that you get is yours. But if you get any listings, hook me up and we're like, okay. So then we just started going to his office. We had a place to work, felt a little bit more serious. And we just were hitting that mojo dialer nonstop, like eight hours, crushing it, talking to sellers. And that's really when things picked up is when we started getting on the multi-line dialer and, and making calls and talking and getting rejected nonstop. Right on. So did you actually wind up getting him some listings too? Oh uh, yeah, we got some listings because what we did because of the d background I had in door to door, we would go knock for a couple hours a day and then we would call. So we went knocking. I actually, we actually got one of our first deals from knocking. Uh, it was like an $18,000 nice. deal knocking. And then we got him, I think two listings, one from knocking and then one from calling within the first couple months. So yeah, it was working well. Okay. Right on. Yeah. With, I'm just curious now because I'm also a real estate agent. So I'm like, maybe I should get some wholesalers to just make some calls for me, but here, use the list. And then anybody just, that's going to be a potential listing, then I'll just take those. So no, that's, yeah, that's we, pretty neat. We man. hooked him up. There was this one deal that we did that at the time he paid us, I think $42,000, a wholesale fee on it. But I think he ended up flipping it and making 200,000 on it. It was a sick deal. Nice. From a guy who inherited this other guy, it was an unfortunate scenario, but the guy was on meth. He inherited a property from his dad and he just was messed up. It took us a couple months. We had to feed the guy. We had to buy him groceries, Yeah, but, uh, but we got the property and yeah, it was wild. It was a wild situation. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing the things that you can encounter, but also the problems that you help solve, right? Mm. I think that's one of the biggest things. Every wholesaler I know, it's you're not really in the real estate business. You're in the problem solving business, right? Because that's what you're doing when you wholesale, right? You're taking a problem that someone has and you're giving them a solution, but still in the real estate business. But that's the way I like to look at it, right? You're like right. a big problem solver. So. Exactly. And I would even say like wholesaling not isn't necessarily investing, right? Because you're not like keeping properties. You're basically right. it's like a sales job, right? You're like moving, you're moving stuff and it's active income. So you continuously have to do it. I think it's a great stepping stone to get into real estate so you can start investing. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, uh, once, once you start really hitting it pretty big, you could start taking some of those profits and buying right. some properties and, or if you even find a good deal that you thought was going to be a wholesale, but you're like, you know what, I can actually turn this into a rental. Then you have those opportunities as well. So exactly. that's one of the good things about it, I think, because there's a lot of diversity, right? When you're sitting here making those phone calls mm -hmm. and it just depends on what kind of deal you're going to pick up. And again, if it's going to be a good enough deal, you can either get a really big finder's fee for it or. You can turn it into a rental property. It just depends on what your goals are. And some people just like getting those big checks yeah. and some people are like, Hey, I want to do it for the long term too. So speaking of that, you started the wholesaling thing. And now at this point, you guys are really starting to crush. Did you start investing in, in real estate yourself? Yeah. So that's the thing I wish like I would have known a little bit more is as I built a wholesaling business over the last like four years, as I built up teams and got more employees, 
it, it almost seemed like the more deals you did, like you just had to keep doing more and more to feed everybody in the company. So I, I have a couple rentals, but I wasn't able to keep as much as I'd like because when you got to pay everyone, you can't really keep something because then they're like, Hey, I need that commission. That sales guy's, Hey, I need my 15. He's not saying I need that, but that's obviously he's got to get paid. So right. yeah, that's, I think that's the problem. If you just build like a really heavy acquisitions business, that's just strictly wholesaling, you're not going to get to keep as much as you want. So what I did now is with the market shift happening, I've really leaned out my business. So instead of having a company or a, a big team that has to be fed, I do deals and I get to get paid pretty much with little overhead. I get to keep everything and get to keep properties that I want now. So I've changed my model a little bit to be not doing as much, but making more and getting a lot more flexibility and freedom with my time. Yeah, that's interesting, man, because you built it up pretty big, right? At one point, and that's a very good point, right? Everyone that's a part of the deal has got to eat, right? Yeah. So when you start building up your team and it gets too big to the point where you start to realize your profits are really getting yeah. chopped down quite a bit. So I'm glad that you were able to actually make that shift. A lot of people just can't do that, right? And they wind up getting stuck in a situation where they wind up losing everything. So the fact that you were able to realize, hey, I need to start trimming some of the fat is pretty good. So do you, what kind of like outsourcing do you do now? If you're doing most of the stuff yourself, do you have like any VAs or anything like that helping you out with lists or phone calls? Yeah. So my business right now is just a couple of virtual assistants that double as that help me with my coaching business and help me with the real estate side. Me that has the connections with the buyers in our, my area. And I have an acquisitions guy, like a sale, a closer, right? And he okay, doubles nice. as a closer for our coaching company and for real estate deals. So there you go. I've double purpose and Again, it's a lot, ooh, man, it's a lot easier to run. It's a lot more flexible. When you're paying for tons of leads to come into your business and leads are coming in from pay-per-click at night and you're like, oh man, I got to call that person or I'm wasting money. It's stressful. And right now it's like, I just do deals when they come across my desk and if I want them, if I want to do it. Yeah, no, that's great. It's good to have the flexibility to be able to do that to and be in a, at a point where you can actually say, you know what, I don't have to do this deal. This one looks like it'll be too painful or whatever, because your whole thing is painless wholesaling. Go right. with the name here. Right. If a deal's looking a little rough around the edges and looks like it might be spiky and painful, you're like, yeah. ah, I'll let somebody else deal with that one. That's not going to be me. So yeah, that's exactly. good to have that flexibility. No, I love it. And it's interesting because I, I talk to a lot of people that want to get into real estate and I'll say, what's your goal? And they're like, no, I want to do 10 to 20 deals a month. And I'm like, why? Like, why would you want to do that many? It like, What's the point? Are you trying to achieve like a financial goal or do you want to just do that much volume? And then they realize if I can do, you know, what I'm trying to do in one or two deals, why do I need to do 20? So I think people believe yeah. that the more is better or bigger is better when that's not the case. No, definitely not. I, last year, I only invested in two more syndications. That's it. Two deals last year. That's it. It's all yeah. I needed. Right? That's right. Yeah. It's yeah. That's I really appreciate your thoughts on that because I do feel like a lot of people get caught up in that numbers game and they're like, Oh, I want to have in, in the next year, I want to have like a thousand doors. And it's like, why? <laughs> what for what? Take your time. It's great to scale and to scale fast. Absolutely. hundred percent. But don't like make sacrifices that are going to hurt you to get there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For somebody sure. that's trying to pull 10 to 20 deals a month. Like that's they're going to be hurting, That's especially if you have a family, what are you doing? So yeah. 
Exactly. And it's interesting because I have a, I don't know if Tom Kroll is, but he's one of my mentors. He built like wholesaling Inc. And I was talking to him yesterday and he's like, what's your vision for your coaching business? And I was like, to be the number one real estate community in the, within five years, to be the number one. And he's like, are you serious? You really want to be the number one community in five years? You know how much work that would be? And I was like, Nah, I didn't really think about it. But if I was the number one, that'd be, that would be intense. That would be a lot. And then it made me yeah. think like, why do I want that? And I've been thinking like, okay, what do I really want? And so it's there interesting to really sit down and you're like, I know you, everyone aspires for like these crazy things, but it's, do you really, do you really want that? You know how much work that's going to be? I like that, man. This is one of those, what do you call it? When you have like an opinion that differs from the masses here. Epiphany or no, it's no, not, not epiphany. It's a good talking point because I listen to so many podcasts where it's, oh, you need to shoot for the top and shoot to be number one and this and that. You also need to have a little bit of humility and be yeah. humble and some reality as well. So that's what I'm getting out of you. And that's what I like, man, because you have to be reasonable and be down to reality. Right. Because the thing is like, everyone has these BHDs, right? These big, hairy or BHGs, right? These big, hairy, audacious goals or whatever. And it's like, it's great. You could set the standard high, set the bar high. Grant Cardone's a big proponent of 10X, 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 right? Mm -hmm. 10X is great. Set your goal for 10X. That way, if you don't make it, at least the journey there, you still crushed it. Don't say, oh man, I'm just going to do one deal and then whatever. And then no, go shoot for the 10. But then when you get three, that little number one that you originally had, you just yep. did three times better than what you originally set for yourself. So yeah, do the work to get yourself to that higher number, but also make it so that you're not killing yourself in the yeah. process. So exactly. that I like that, man. That's realistic. So I, I appreciate your perspective. And it's a good, it's a good way to, it's a good thing to talk about because again, a lot of other podcasts don't talk about this. They just talk about the top, the yeah. top. Yeah. So no, I like right. that. I agree with you. All right, man. Okay. So Speaking of that, as you're setting these goals, now you originally said, okay, man, I want to be the number one real estate coaching community, like going to be the guys. Now that you've come to grips with reality, so to say, right? Reality. What is your goal now with your coaching business? Actually, this morning, I spent like a couple hours. I know it's weird, but a couple hours meditating and thinking about what I want. I feel like I have some clarity on what I'm really trying to do. So I, I really believe like the reason why I'm in real estate, and I believe the reason why most people are in real estate is not to do real estate transactions necessarily because they get pumped about it or they love it. They do it because they're trying to accomplish a specific goal of like financial security, more time with their friends or more time to do things that they believe are true important to them. So that's like more of what my goal is. Hey, I want to teach people the most effective way to get started in real estate so they can have that financial security and that time to do, pursue things that actually matter to them. Because if you ask me like, Nate, do you love wholesaling? Do you love real estate? No, I don't. I'm just going to be straight with you. I enjoy it. I think it's a good job, but that's not why I'm doing all this. I'm doing all this so I can have more time with my wife, more time with my friends, and uh, feel a sense of security as much as you can in this life. Yeah, 100%, man. That's perfect. And the fact that you sat down and meditated on this and really thought on this for a couple hours, that's huge. And I think a lot of people don't realize that needs to be part of your routine, right? When you're mm -hmm. setting goals for yourself. And I feel like I'm even having an epiphany myself when I think about what my goals are for like average Joe finances and also the coaching side, because I also do financial coaching, right? What are the goals for that? And I've stepped back from that and I actually started onboarding more coaches. So now I have other coaches that are helping me take care of clients. But the thing is, I don't think I've ever really sat down and said, this is where I want to see myself in five years on this side of the business. 
And I think now I need to sit down and really think about that. I've got my vision board up here that I'm looking at with my goals for this year. I was up really late on January 1st, finalizing this thing, man. And mm. it's, I look at it and I'm like, the things I have on there, I'm like, I don't even think I have everything I wanted on there. I was like, I think I need to add to this. And then I told myself, I was like, well, the year already started. Can I add to it? Of course I could add to it. I could make changes and make route shifts and all that stuff as time goes by because things are going to change, right? As the year goes on, things are going to change. And I've already told myself that 2023 for me is going to be like the great reset. This is where I'm going to actually come back down to myself and say, okay, where do I really want to go this year? What is the number one thing I really want to do? I just started a new business, man, doing mm -hmm. inflatable nightclubs out here in Hawaii, completely <laughs> unrelated to real estate. And it's right now I'm trying to get this thing off the ground. And I had dinner with a buddy of mine the other night and we usually get together once a month and have a business dinner. We go over what we're doing. He has a really successful Turo business out here on the island. Okay. And he told me, he's like, man, he's dude, just, just make a bandit sign. That's really simple. Mm -hmm. says, we start parties and then the, the business phone number. And I'm like, dude. Yeah. That, that's genius. So that's, that's, awesome. what I that's what I started doing. So I'm like, okay, that's, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I started making flyers and stuff. I'm going to start putting flyers out all over the place. I'm probably going to walk around door to door and things like that as well. Stuff that over time has slowly left my comfort zone because it's something I haven't done in a really long time. So it's okay. I need to like humble myself and get back down to the roots, right? I need to get back down to where I was with sales. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and get back into that mentality. That's why like, when you mentioned what you talked about, like with meditating on it this morning, like, I really feel like that hit me, man, that hit me for sure. <laughs> and I appreciate, no, I appreciate your honesty and your reality. And I'm certain my listeners are going to appreciate that as well, because I really pride myself with the guests that I bring on this show being really authentic people. And you are proving that over and over again with each response to, to everything that you're doing. Yeah, man, um, I appreciate that. Cause I, I try to just like, for me in my life, just really find out where I'm going, right? Because we're all limited on time. We only, we all only 24 hours in a day, all of us. So we got to use that wisely. So you got to figure out what you want and spend it the right way. Yeah, we were pretty limited when I was a guest on your show because we were on a battery percentage of that, that <laughs> laptop there. Right. That's good stuff. I got your charger today. So we're going to talk for hours. No, I'm kidding. I'm ready for you. We could. I know I could talk to you for hours, man. But okay, let's get back into it. You got your, to this point and now you know where you want to be with your, your coaching business. You know where you want to be with your real estate wholesaling business. So what are some of the things that you utilize to make your business work? Do you have any CRM systems that you use? How do you actually get your lists that your VAs are calling? Like, how do you put all this together? Because we're going like the whole soup to nuts thing here with starting a real estate business. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually bring it to back to like, how can anyone start, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like how can anyone start and get into real estate? Cause I do that. Right. Cause I went, I, I got lean and I said, okay, I don't want to spend all my time cold calling. I don't want to spend all my time pulling lists and doing all this stuff that I know how to do. I even have a CRM from my big business that has like 180,000 leads in it that we've paid money on. But do you know how much time it would take me to call those people and follow up and do it? So I said, I don't want, I don't think that's the right way to go. What is the fastest way to get a deal? And that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I'm going to teach people. So let's just start from there. So usually... When you do off-market deals, you have to negotiate with the seller, which I'm very good at negotiating. I can talk to them, but you have to find them. Are they in the right, do they have the right motivation? Are they in the right time? Do you catch them at the right time? And if you did, then you sign a contract. So that portion of calling, following up, trying to get a hold of them and getting them to sign a contract, that can take a long time. It can be quick, yeah. but it can take a long time. 
So I said, look, I know how to do that really well, but I kind of want to skip that part. I don't want to do that, even though I'm good at it. So what do I do? I believe that the buyers are the ones, especially now in this market, that have the power. They're the ones that pay you. The sellers, obviously, it's good to have a good seller so you can get the contract and either buy or wholesale it. But the buyer is the one that actually gets the transaction done on a wholesale deal. So I said, I'm going to get tight with all the buyers in my market and I'm just going to find them deals. And I can find them deals that uh, have are already under contract so I don't have to do that portion of the deal. And I can just connect them and broker the deal, right? Bring them, bring them the deal and they'll pay me a fee. So that's what I do. Okay. So, so are you like finding, so are you connecting with like other wholesalers and being like, Hey, you got something on the contract. I got a buyer for you. And then they pay you a piece of that. That's right. hundred okay. percent. Oh, I love I, that, man. Yeah. It's joint venturing or JVing. I just yep. closed it. I just did a deal last week for 19,000 on a JV deal. The previous week I did 30,000. I did another one. That's So that's what I do majority of the time. I say, I know no matter what I say, whatever my message is, people are just going to go out to sellers and they're going to get deals, right? They're going to spend most of their time because that's what's mostly being taught is just go find the deal. But these people, once they find the deal, half the time they don't know how to sell the deal. So I spend most of my time developing relationships and finding out how to disposition properties. So when I see people that have deals, I just say, hey, I got a buyer. Would you be down if I brought it to them, if I was able to pay your fee? Or let's just split the fee. And they say, yeah. So a majority of my business is just connecting wholesalers that already have deals to buyers and then agreeing to a JV, a commission split, which is usually 50-50. But if they're in my program, I give them 60%. And that's just what happened on that 19K deal that closed, I think it was yesterday. He gets 11,400 and I get 7,600. He's happy. I'm happy. I didn't have to negotiate yeah. with the seller, never saw the house, didn't do anything. I just made a phone call to one buyer and he wanted it. Nice. Yeah, there you go, man. Okay. Yeah, and, and I, I like that. It sounds, as you would say, painless. <laughs> it's painful. <laughs> it is. I'll tell you what's painful. What's painful is trying to follow up with sellers that don't, you're not sure if they want to sell, finally get a hold of them. They're talking to five or 10 other people. That's painful. I know because that's all I did for four years and it's okay. You can make great spreads, dude. I meant I've made tons of money doing that, but I, I wanted to do it part-time. I wanted to build the coaching business, focus on that, teach people to do what I'm doing. Cause I believe what I do is something anyone can do part-time. Anyone can do it if they have a W2, like if they have a normal job. So that's like my, when it comes back to my vision and what I'm trying to accomplish, I'm trying to teach people how the most effective way to get into real estate part-time so they can get financial freedom and pursue other things with their free time. That's what people want. So why give them a giant job, a giant business that they don't want to run wholesaling business when I can just teach them how to get deals part-time. Yeah, no, that's fantastic, man. It'd be hard for me to do out here in Hawaii since I'm a real estate agent. <laughs> if I find, if I have buyers that usually it's a little harder to do that, but, and we have some funky rules out here in Hawaii, man, but I absolutely love that. And I love the fact that it's a system that makes it easier on the person that is trying to make the transaction happen, right? Again, like I said earlier in the, on this episode is that you're a problem solver right? You're solving this person's problem that has this property under contract and they're trying to find a buyer. You're bringing the buyer and that buyer, you're solving their problem because they're looking for another property to put under their belt to either flip or make into a rental property. And you're solving two people's problems now at this point, instead of just the seller. So that's right. fantastic, man. Actually really three people, right? Because even though the property is under contract, you're still helping that seller out as well. 
right? Because you're bringing the buyer. So it helps everybody that's involved in this transaction. So now you're helping three people. Yeah, I man, like that. It's fun to do it. And it's not just JVing though. I also focus on market properties because you can also right. wholesale a deal that's listed on the MLS or double close. So I look for those. If they meet, since I'm getting tight with these buyers and knowing what they want, I'll look on the MLS. If I see something I know they'd want, I'll pick it up, get under contract. They will either pay me an assignment or they'll write me an invoice just be, and I can just connect them to the seller. Just say, Hey, go ahead and sign it. I showed you, I got you, I guess, teed up, go make the offer. And, uh, but I want to tell you uh, something interesting about how I do the deals. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. So this 19K deal we just did, it was one of the students in my members of my program and he brings me a deal in Columbia, South Carolina. It was an, a house for sale by owner that had listed at 340 way, way overpriced, but you know how it is for seven. They try to do as much as they get as much as they can half the time. Of course. So they have a 340. My guy, Noble, offers 380. So sorry, 340, he offers 280. So it's 60K. He thinks he got a good deal. He's hey man, can you help me find a buyer? I can't find anyone. I look at it. I'm like, man, you're too high, brother. Like you need to be, I just checked with my buyer. Cause like I said, I got tight with buyers. So I just called one. The buyer wanted to be like at 200 because the guy just did his comps wrong. So I said, dude, you got to get this down to 180, 185 for this to make sense. And I have a buyer. You got to go renegotiate. So he's okay. I didn't think he'd, they'd do it. He calls them, renegotiates it down to 185. So just like that, I told them what our buyer needed to be at. They he dropped cut, their he, price. he cut that listing price in half. <laughs> I know, bro. And the thing is, I, the sellers probably were just crossing their fingers, no love. So they're probably just like, whatever, this is probably where we need to be because the house yeah. is trash. So it's interesting because this property that was not a deal, if you just looked at it, 340, we got it all the way down. We're able to wholesale it, solve their problems because they were trying to get done with it. And we were able to help out my buyer and get it done. So cra yeah. crazy how things work out like that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Good deal. Thank you for sharing that, man. Just to see like how that deal worked out. And even at the point where it looked like it was a done deal, like you're just going to walk away from it, still was able to make it happen. So your uh, person that's in your program has got some good negotiating skills. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Especially when he came in and said, oh yeah, 280. And now he's coming back saying, oh yeah, let's take another 100K off that. And then still getting the, uh, the seller <laughs> to buy into that. That's pretty darn good. Very so, interesting. Yeah, that it got done. But yeah, close. We're, got good. Got it done. Nice, man. Well, congrats to all of you on that. That's a great deal. Okay. So Nathan, I want to transition this into something that I call the final round because I feel like we could just keep going all day on this, bro. And it's, it, this will be like right. a 10 hour podcast episode. And I can't do that because I got a couple of things scheduled for today. You. The final round is where I'm going to ask you four questions, same four questions that I ask everybody that comes on the show. It, it's a little bit, we'll put you on the spot, but also helps us understand how you are under pressure, which I'm pretty sure... We already know that just because of how you've been crushing it, man. So if you're ready to go, well, we'll get this party started. Let's get it. I, like that float. What did you call that? The pop-up party? The floating yeah. party? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> nice, man. Okay. First question, and it's a doozy, is what's the biggest mistake you've ever made in real estate? Yes. So I've had this question before, and I think this is the answer that I always come back to. And I bought a property in California that had a squatter in it, and I did not know there was a squatter in it. And that was a big mistake because when we tried to sell it again, nobody would touch it because of the squatter. They were like, yeah, the squatter rights, we're not trying to get into that. So I didn't know anything about that problem. I didn't know, uh, 
that there was even a squatter in there. And so we, we sent somebody out there to give the squatter like $500 to get out. And the squatter is nah, give me 2,500 and I'll think about it. I'll think about it <laughs> pretty much. Right. So I was like, man, that's, that's not how I rolled. I was very annoyed because I'm like, this guy's stopping me from selling this house. So I flew out to California, my business partner, and we pretty much got the guy out. But that one day flight got him out. Next day we flew back. It's a crazy story, but I don't want to get too into it, but yeah. Don't buy houses in California if they got squatters. There can be some problems. Yeah. I just, in California in general, like their landlord tenant laws are pretty rough and very tenant friendly. And it's, it's hard to invest in properties in California. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. Okay. That's definitely a big mistake and definitely make sure there's no squatters in there before you do it. Yeah, uh, Hawaii it. has some crazy laws with squatters too. So yeah, it's, that's definitely a, an important thing. I guess the next question will feed off of that one probably, but what is something that you've learned? that you wish you knew when you first started? I think, like I told you in the beginning, like we, we started making a couple dials and we thought that was good. I've learned that if you want to be consistent in this business, it takes massive action and consistency. And that's something I wish I would have learned better or more in the beginning was the amount of action required to do deals. Because it really takes, if you want to be consistent, like five offers a day, certain amount of calls. So yeah, I wish I would have known that in the beginning. Yeah, 100%, man. That word consistency is something I uh, used on your podcast as well. I think that's huge when I was talking about how to build a podcast up, man, like consistency in anything that you do is huge. So yeah, definitely appreciate that. Okay, next question. And again, this these all kind of feed into each other. You'll see the theme here, but do you have any tips or tricks that you would recommend to someone that is just getting started today? Yeah. Yeah. So it comes to the way I show people how to get into real estate. The first thing I teach you, teach everyone to do, and the first thing I recommend, the first tip is when you get in, connect with someone that's doing deals. Connect with somebody that's a cash buyer, I would say, in your area of what you're trying to get into because they'll pretty much mentor you. They'll tell you what they you want. They'll answer your questions. If someone came to me and said, Nate, what are you looking for? I'll find you what you want. Oh yeah, I'll tell you what I want if you go and do the work. So that's my first tip. You want to get into this? Get with someone that's doing it. Yeah, hundred percent, man. That networking piece is huge. And just to meet people, I always tell you, you got to go out to real estate meetups, conferences, meet people. And I always tell people to don't find the person that's been doing this for 20 years and try to talk to them about it. Find the person that started two years ago or a year mm -hmm. ago, because they're closer to the same spot where you're at right now. And the guy that started 20 years ago, things were different 20 years ago when they first started different programs, different everything. Yeah, that's huge, man. Appreciate that. So the last question of the final round is an opinion-based question. And because you have a podcast, I'm going to preface this with besides your own, uh, mm -hmm. but do you have a favorite business investing or real estate related book or podcast or both? I like the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. I listen to that. But yeah, I would say out of all that you brought, I'd say Wholesaling Inc. is a good podcast. Okay, fantastic. Appreciate that. All right. And that is it for the final round, man. So I definitely appreciate your perspective on everything. I appreciate your responses during this interview. Dude, you're legit. You're legit. And <laughs> I really appreciate everything that, that you brought to the table here today. With that being said, I do have one more question for you. This is outside of the final round, but this is the final question and the most important question of all. Because of the conversation that we've been having, and I really believe the whole thing with how you talked about getting started to where you are today, and we walk through the process of how to get there. So that's awesome. I'm sure I have some listeners here that are like, man, I want to know more about Nathan, about what he's doing, about his podcast and things like that. So where can people find more information about you? Do you have a website you could share with us or social media or anything like that? 
Yeah, of course. So Investor Thrive is my company, InvestorThrive.com. If you go there, you can contact me. You can reach me. You can see all my stuff, InvestorThrive.com. You can even sign up for our little community, Mastermind. That's the number one place to go. But if you want to just chat or see the kind of the materials, I guess the content, I have a YouTube channel, Nathan Payne. You can reach me on Facebook. It's either me responding or if I'm busy, my VA will respond to you in the messenger. But yeah, you can reach me on any platform under Nathan Payne or Investor Thrive. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. And again, I appreciate you. Thank you so much, man. This has been fantastic. Thank you, brother. All right. Hey, and to my listeners, thank you so much for joining me and our special guest, Nathan Payne on the Average Joe Finances podcast. Go leave us a five-star review and tell us what you liked about today's episode with Nathan. Aloha from Hawaii and have a great rest of your day. Oh,